Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Friends and friendship are some of the most important parts of life, and that's especially true in adult life, where stress and complications make it even more important to have people to count on around us. Julie Beck is a senior editor at The Atlantic who has spent a long time thinking about friendship, how it's changed, and what fuels it for us. She joins us next on Detroit Today, right after the news from NPR. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host. And as always, I'm really glad you've decided to join us. We go through our life in cohorts. And those cohorts are made up of some of the most important people in our lives. They're called our friends. In elementary school and high school and maybe college, We have friends who guide us through challenging times. They enjoy good times with us. They celebrate moments both big and small in our lives. Now, when we're kids, that's a pretty simple equation. Remember when you were a kid, you could just ride your bike down the block to hang out with your best friend, to play video games or create some game out of nothing. To stave off boredom. Those are priceless moments, but they come pretty easily. But as we age and transition into adulthood, those moments are a little harder to come by. Work and family, romantic partners and stress, they end up taking priority many times over our friendships. Our friends, it sometimes seems, tend to slip a bit further away from the central part of our lives. They recede into the background. Why is that true? If friendship offers us so much richness and so much meaning, if our friends provide the substance that prevents loneliness and meaninglessness in our lives, why do we keep them in the rearview mirror? For the past couple of years, Julie Beck, a senior editor at The Atlantic, has been talking with people all across America who are friends. She explores all sorts of mostly adult relationships and tries to tell the story of what keeps them together. She tries to explain the meaning they offer us, the richness they provide, and the various ways that we can expand on and deepen our friendships. Julie's here with us now to talk about all of this. Julie Beck, it is really wonderful to have you here on Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. So why did you start out on this journey? You've been trying, as I said, to understand different dynamics of friendship for three years, and you've interviewed a hundred people. So why does this matter to you? Yeah, I mean, it really started even earlier than that. I'd been covering friendship for the Atlantic, um, kind of in a more, you know, reported or sciencey fashion for several years before that. Um, but really, with the friendship files, it kind of started with a, a random thought, as these things often do, which is at the time um, the dating app Bumble had introduced this new mode. It was like Bumble BFF, and so it was basically a dating app for friendship. Um, And I really just wanted to know what it was like to use a dating app to make a friend and like kind of that collision of of those things. Um, So I did an interview with two young women who had met on the dating app. And um, it was just such a fun and interesting conversation. Um, So they were so insightful and just funny and, and great to talk to that I thought, okay, maybe I can actually do this.
this with all different kinds of friends. Um, and so that's kind of how the Friendship Files was born. And I started um, just doing these group interviews with, um, you know, anywhere from, from two to like eight friends um, on a single Zoom, which was, you know, maybe a little unwieldy, but very fun. Um, and yeah, it was just, I wanted to capture as best as you can, um, at least a little slice of the diversity and um, of our friendships and all of the different ways that they, they form and shape our lives. So you said something there that that stopped me uh, pretty cold, uh, that it was a function on a dating app that made you think a little deeper about about friendship. I think that is that says everything about this moment in in American life. And it says a lot about the ways in which we interact with each other have changed so much. Uh, you could not have uttered that phrase five years ago and have it make any sense. Um, but today, of course, everybody knows what Bumble is and the idea that Bumble might uh, bring people together as friends instead of as dating partners seems maybe a natural extension of its centrality in, in the way that we relate to each other. I want to have you talk just a little bit about how different friendship is because of the times that we live in and because of the things that have changed so dramatically uh, over the last decade. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It, it is different and it isn't different. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the Bumble BFF is kind of one isolated case. Um, but it, like you said, it does kind of speak to the ways that technology has changed how we keep up with our friends. Um What's interesting, you know, obviously, you know, you, you can go back a little further and talk about Facebook and talk about all of the, the other social media that have allowed us to keep up with our friends in a way more easily. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's there's research out there that's found that like proximity and like literally just how physically geographically close you are to someone is, is still a pretty big predictor of whether you're going to become friends with that person, how often you reach out to them. Um, and, and a lot of the relationships that we have on social media are more what researchers would call like commemorative friendships. Um, and what that means is just like, it's, it's something, not like a trophy, but it's just something that's nice to keep around because it helps you remember a good time, but it's not necessarily that you're reaching out to that person and regularly in contact with them. It's like you're scrolling through Facebook and you see Timmy from Little League and you see he's got three kids now and you're like, oh, that's great, you know? Um, so, so in some ways it is really different and that is something that we haven't had for most of human history. But at the same time, I think like the core values of, friendship and what makes it important in our lives. I think that's kind of universal and timeless. Yeah. Yeah. So why does friendship matter so much to us? Can you talk about the importance of that one-on-one -on -one relationship or even group friendship and the, the richness, I guess, that it adds to our lives? There's something pretty fundamental about that that I think we need to, to just kind of get out there uh, in this conversation. What I think is so unique about friendship specifically is that it is, well, it's a voluntary relationship. Um, you know, not that our romantic relationships aren't also voluntary and chosen, but it's, it's something where there are no rules to govern it that we collectively understand as a society. So with family relationships, with romantic relationships, there are these scripts that we kind of know and understand, um, even if you choose not to follow them and, and design your relationship in a different way, like in some ways you're reacting to that sort of standard traditional script. With friendship doesn't have that. Um, every friendship is designed from within. Um, friends have to choose um, the, the role that they're going to play in one another's lives, um, and how they're going to maintain that over the years and how they're going to prioritize that. And so that's sort of the challenge and the beauty of it, right, is that you have to make it up as you go, but you get to make it up as you go. Um, so I think that that for me, um, that's what made the Friendship Files just kind of endlessly 
fascinating because every single story of every single friendship was so unique and so specific to the lives and the personalities of the people involved. Mm. I'm talking with uh, Julie Beck. She's a senior editor at The Atlantic, where she oversees the family section. She's also the creator of The Friendship Files. Uh, We're talking with her today about friendship, uh, the relationships that we have with the people closest to us, and especially what those relationships look like, how we form them, how we preserve them in adulthood. Uh, We want to hear from you during the conversation as well. What do your friends mean to you? Is there a particular friendship of yours that gives you energy and makes you feel better about the world? Has a friend of yours gotten you through a really hard time, I think, given all of the things that have happened in this uh, world in the last few years. Uh, it has been an important time to lean on and remember the importance of friends and friendship. Uh, talk to us about a friendship that matters to you, how it began, and why you think maybe it has endured to this day. Uh, also, we'd love to hear from you if you're someone who's looking for friends and maybe finding it hard to make or keep them. Uh, what are the things you're trying to do to live in a socially richer, more collected, connected life? And what are the, the hurdles to that? What are the things that make that difficult uh, as an adult? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we can work you into the conversation uh, that way. Uh, Julie, before we go to our listeners, uh, I want to talk about why friendship sometimes seems to take a back seat in our lives. We're really busy. We're very stressed. Uh, it, it seems that even less so than romantic relationships and our work, friendship uh, ends up being pushed to the side. Why do you think that's true? And what can people do to change that? How can they arrange their lives in in, in a different way? Yeah, so society sort of puts friendship on the sidelines many times. I think when we're children, it's it's very prioritized, um, partially just because you're trapped in school all day with your friends. And, you know, we have a lot of time as children. And also, you know, our friends are very important to us at that age, like what our, you know, social approval and, and all of those things. But as we get older and our responsibilities start to mount, you know, family responsibilities and career responsibilities tend to peak in mid-age. And, you know, it's just true that we have limited time. So often friendship is the thing that takes a backseat when we can't do everything. Um, and that's not bad inherently. I mean, one of the, the beautiful things about friendship is that it is a really flexible category and a really flexible relationship. Um, You know, people will say that someone is their friend and they haven't actually hung out with them in six months, but they both really mean it that they are friends um, and they're just kind of, you know, being flexible and understanding about like how that relationship ebbs and flows over time. Whereas if you, you know, hadn't seen or spoken to your spouse in six months, like that might be stranger. Um, so, So it is unique in that way. But I think, um, you know, if you want to sort of fight against that placing of of friendship on the sidelines, um, it's something that requires a lot of effort and a lot of intentional thought and, um, you know, buy-in from from both of the friends. Um, I think you have to have a little bit of um, imagination to kind of design a role for friendship in your life that isn't just the default. Um, And I've spoken with a lot of people for the friendship files who have done that. So, you know, there's people out there who are going to therapy with friends, who are buying a house with friends, Mm. who are helping raise their friends' children. Um, So it it definitely can be done, but it's just something that you have to be intentional about and, and prioritize. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation with Julie Beck of The Atlantic about friendship, and we will get to some of our friends here in Detroit. Phone lines already full to talk about friendship. Uh, we'll start with Bernadette in Old Redford, Jimmy in Birmingham, and Deborah in Hamtramck. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 313- 577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and to Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your connection to what's happening in Detroit. WDET is your place for open dialogue about the issues that impact you. Stay in the know. This is WDET FM, Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Our guest this hour is Julie Beck, senior editor at The Atlantic. Uh, She is the creator of The Friendship Files, something uh, she has been doing to look more deeply into what makes adult friendships in uh, our country, uh, what keeps them together, what makes them important, and worth preserving. Uh, We want to hear from you during this conversation as well. Tell us about the friendships that matter in your life. Uh, Where do they come from? Uh, How do you keep them together? Uh, And uh, what what richness do they bring to your life? Also, I want to hear if you have a hard time making friends as an adult or keeping friends as an adult. Uh, Think of all the other things that uh, demand our time and attention and take us away from our friends? Do you find that that makes it difficult to maintain these kinds of relationships? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start today with Bernadette in Old Redford. Bernadette, welcome to the show. Good morning, Stephen. One of the things that has amazed me is that my longest uh, friend that I met when we attended uh, Wayne State in the 70s, when she got married, things changed. And that's true with a lot of my married friends. Mm. Uh, I have remained single, and the relationships really changed, single versus married. Uh, I don't know where they think I'm a snatch they man, and in many cases, <laughs> wouldn't ever want they man. Uh, but they kind of tend to have more relationships with other married couples and uh, don't like having relationships with single women. Huh. Uh, Bernadette, I'm really glad you called and, and shared that. I mean, that that seems like a potentially kind of painful dynamic around around certain friendships that you may lose a friend or lose the closeness with a friend uh, because they get married. Uh, Julie Beck, this idea of the competition between our friendships and other relationships, not to mention all the other kind of stressors in our lives, is it's kind of an interesting dimension of this as well, that, that uh, prioritizing friends becomes somewhat of a challenge in 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 some cases and and Bernadette uh, Bernadette has identified one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's like an unfortunate dynamic that happens a lot with with marriage and romantic relationships is that people can kind of disappear into those relationships and retreat a little bit from their social circle. Um I don't know that that's always like intentional, right? Um but uh, you know, there there is like kind of a limited capacity, even cognitive capacity that we have to have close relationships. Like we truly like only have the brain power for so many. 
Um, there's a, a researcher, Robin Dunbar, who sort of came up with this theory of Dunbar's number of how many, you know, friends we can really like mentally keep up with. And then there are sort of concentric circles within that down to the smallest circle of your very, very closest people. Um, and, you know, if your your spouse or your partner is taking up one or I think they said, you know, they can sometimes take up two slots because it's just such a deep relationship there is less capacity for our friends. Um, so, so that is a sad truth and, and sort of a trade-off. But at the same time, I, I know in my own personal life that um, some of my married friends have made, you know, a great effort to include, continue to include me and like I will help with their kids and we will make time to hang out. So like it, it is a balancing act and sometimes you got to give a little on both sides, yeah. but um, it's it can be avoidable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Bernadette, uh, I re- really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Let's go next to Joan in Detroit. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Joan. I'm happy, I'm happy for the opportunity to represent the seniors. I'm 86 now, and um, friendships are even more important because we've lost uh, many friends. But it's it's wonderful to be able to talk to someone who knew you in college and uh, you were in each other's weddings, and you remember each other's parents, and um, mm. you have the perspective of what it's like living in today's world, which is so different, and in many cases almost uncomfortable for us. Yeah, yeah, Joan. I'm I'm really glad that you called, especially and and as you said, represented the senior voices here in in Metro Detroit. Um, uh, Julie Beck, this idea of time and what time does to friendship and what time does to us inside friendships is also a really important uh, uh, part well, of I, this I, idea. I think if they were really good friendships, then time deepens them. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it, it be, it, you know, it, it really becomes a support and um, people that understand when things come up now, I want to talk to somebody who understands what going to the doctor every month feels like mm. and the, um, the stressors of, you know, of, of living life in this world because there, there are times now with all that's going on that we feel that uh, we're, we're not comfortable in this world anymore. Wow. Wow. Uh, Joan, again, thanks very much for the call. Uh, Julie, uh, uh, react to this idea of time and what it does to friendships. It seems to me that uh, some friendships uh, last so long that they become more than friendships. I mean, the people that that I've known the longest in life, for instance, people from uh, elementary school or, or before, almost feel like family. And the reliance on them is even stronger, even if you don't, as you pointed out, if you don't see them all the time, if you don't talk to them all the time, uh, they they are still your family. Yeah, I really appreciate that comment. Um, you know, one, one study that I read um, that was really, really interesting was talking about how best friends essentially share a memory in some ways, like they form a shared memory network. Um, and that's like, a, you know, kind of a fancy way of saying it, but even, you know, just as, as she was mentioning, um, like we, you remember their weddings, you remember their parents, you remember moments that you shared together. And um, even in, in my life already, like my friends will remind me of like, oh, hey, remember when that thing happened in high school? And I didn't remember until they brought it up. And then I do remember. So <laughs> I think like the work of memory is sometimes like shared between friends in a really beautiful way. And like, I can only imagine that like deepening and, and being more true, like as you age. Yeah. So, uh, Julie, I want to talk about the last uh, piece you wrote about uh, for the Friendship Files. You looked at six forces that you say fuel friendship. I think this is a good time to talk about what those those six forces are. Yeah, so this was um, when the Friendship Files wrapped up after 100 interviews. Um, I wrote that essay just sort of trying to distill 
what I had learned from doing all of those interviews. And yeah, I sort of centered around these six forces that I think helped to help us form friendships and, you know, grow and maintain them over the years. Some of them are kind of obvious, but I'll go through them. <laughs> um, so the first one is accumulation, which is just simply time spent together. It makes sense that the more time you spend with someone, the more likely you are to be friends. Um, the second is attention. Um, and that's just paying paying attention to opportunities for friendship, especially in unexpected places. Um, a lot of the people who I spoke with were had kind of unlikely friendships, for, for instance, with uh, one woman stayed friends with her ex-boyfriend's mom for 30 years after they broke up. Um, so just getting out of our habits and, and paying attention for opportunities to connect with people. Um, but attention only goes so far without intention, which is another one, which is just if you sort of go through life, you know, hoping that friendship will fall in your lap, it may occasionally do so, but usually not. Um, and even if it does, you need that intentional action to, you know, keep keep it going and, and grow it. Um, and often friendship requires, you know, a little bit of courtship. Um, the, the next one is ritual. And that's something that I just found so many friends who I spoke with um, to have. And some of them that were simple rituals like a book club or a monthly hike. Some of them were kind of more intense rituals. And I'll, I'll share a story about that in a second. Um, but just having a ritual, something that's built into your schedule, removes some of that barrier of trying to schedule every time you hang out and coordinating with what everybody's up to. Um, but it's just an expected part of your life that you're going to see this person. And, and that really goes a long way. Mm. Um, one, one thing, one story I'll, I'll note about ritual, um, was the story of, of Gabe and Andy who are, um, two musicians and they would meet every week and they would walk half an hour from their houses to high five in the middle and then go home. And they did that for years. Um, and it, it was it was just their ritual. It was their way of seeing each other. And then, unfortunately, Gabe got sick and and he lost some of his memory. Um, so when Andy was in the hospital talking to him, he did remember Andy, but he didn't remember the high five. Um, they had a particular way of doing it, which was like they would snap and clap and then do the high five. And so Andy wanted to keep the tradition going. And he said, on the way back from the bathroom, like, just trust me, like, I need you to give me a high five. And he did it. He did the the sort of way that they always did it with the snap, the clap and the high five, even though he didn't necessarily remember, like his, his body sort of remembered that ritual and that friendship. So mm -hmm. I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last two are imagination, which I already talked about a bit, just imagining what role you want friendship to play in your life. And then the last one is grace, um, because everything that I've been talking about this whole <laughs> show is, is an ideal. It's, you know, it's impossible to fully live up to that all the time. Like life can get in the way and, and it just does. Um, and so when I say, you know, grace, I sort of mean it in two ways, right? Like the grace that we offer each other when we fall short and we don't meet those ideals. And then also grace in the sort of spiritual sense of like, when we, when we try at these things, like the, there's a space that that creates, it's, that's a gift that is like so profound that you cannot ever earn or deserve it. And that's sort of a, a religious conception of grace. But I think that is what many of our friends are for us. Yeah. So I, I, I want to talk a little about uh, gender and friendship as well. I, I think it's harder for men to lean as hard into the things that you just were talking about, these six forces that fuel friendship, or at least some of them, than it is for women. Uh, and and you've written about a, a number of, of men who have been, made friendships, uh, but, but two, uh, Abinov and Fernando, were over, able to overcome some of their kind of tough exteriors to, to, to be friends. Uh, talk about who they are and, and how that dynamic plays out uh, over, over these other relationships. Yeah, Abby and Fernando were a, a really great um, 
set of friends to talk to. They um, were both immigrants to the United States. Um, Avi's from India and Fernando's from Spain. And Fernando was kind of talking to me about how when he first moved to America, um, he had this idea that American masculinity was, you know, sort of being the tough guy. And he said he saw a poster of like a guy, he was at a store and he saw a poster of a guy like riding a John Deere tractor, like over a cornfield. And he was you know, looking like very intensely into the sunset or whatever it was. And he said, you know, I, oh, I need to try to be like that. Um, and I think they both, you know, struggled a little bit with the way that American masculinity sort of expects men to be like detached and unemotional and um, not vulnerable with their friends or with anyone. And I mean, I think, you know, over time they they sort of adjusted and, and figured out how they wanted to, be themselves and, you know, keep their own cultures and what they liked about America. And, and it, it was a really, um, you know, a, a slow journey as these things are, but like they were really um, vulnerable with each other and their own struggles and what they were going through. And they would go on these camping trips and have deep conversations. So, I mean, I think what, what that shows to me is like there, there's a desire that men have to have these kind of friendships and it's it's really the culture that is maybe sending the message that they shouldn't, um, and that it, that's just sort of underscored in in their story. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Julie Beck of the Atlantic about friends and friendship. We'll continue to hear from you on the phones and on social media. John in Oak Park, Brad in Rochester Hills. We will get to you next. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. Call and tell us about your friendships, your adult friendships. Uh, where did they come from? How do you preserve them? What do they give you? Uh, why do you keep them so close? Also, give us a call and let us know if it's difficult to make friends and keep them as an adult. Uh, you can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and we can include you in the show that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 101.9 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking with Julie Beck, a senior editor at The Atlantic and creator of The Friendship Files, which takes a look at the forces that create and preserve friendships among adults. Uh, we're talking about friendship and the different forms it takes, the importance that it has to all of us as adults, and some of the difficulties that we have making friends or keeping friends, preserving those friendships uh, over time. We want to hear from you about your friendships and what they mean to you, where they come from, why you cherish them so much. Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to social media, to Facebook or Twitter, and put comments there. Let's go next to Brad in Rochester Hills. Uh, Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve, it's great to be with you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, kudos to your uh, special guest today, uh, who was up and brought up a well-deserved, uh, uh, long-awaited uh, topic uh, uh, on the friendship. Uh, uh, I've got a best friend of mine who's been my best friend since um, our high school. We met in our sophomore year in Harper Woods, where you know, we graduated from high school together in 1989. And mm -hmm. just recently, we celebrated our milestone 33rd anniversary of our high school graduation. His mom took us out to dinner at the Blue Nile in Ferndale uh, <laughs> uh, last uh, Friday uh, in June. Yeah, just last month, uh, we recently got together. And we usually get together with his mom uh, three times a year at most. And uh, we tend to uh, savor and appreciate our friendship uh, that way because um, it's uh, the, the way I see it, uh, even though we don't get together like that, we used to, we tend to appreciate uh, that common bond that lasts forever and it helps us to appreciate um, our memories that we shared in the past and, and anticipate what we like to do in the future. 
Mm. You know, I, I love that story, and I love that you celebrated your 33rd uh, anniversary of your of your high school reunion together. Th- th- those relationships that we make in high school, I think, are particularly important as we get uh, as we get older. Those are the relationships that, for me, tend to be uh, tend to be the closest. Uh, there is something about again that age where you find uh, you know someone who has something in common with you, somebody who you grow close to. Uh, that that's enduring, uh, and as as well as endearing. I mean, there is something about uh, the people who you share this common sort of again history with uh, Julie Beck. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I um, so I actually went to high school in the Detroit area in Ypsilanti, yeah. and I have uh, two best friends from high school um, that I'm still very, very close with. And one lives in Canada now, and one lives in Pittsburgh. Um, I live in Washington D.C., and uh, my friend from Pittsburgh is actually coming down to visit this very weekend. Yeah. So we, um, <laughs> you know, we we have stayed close, and and I hope that we will stay close. Um, as long as the listener has and, you know, all the way into the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad, again, congrats on uh, on that very long relationship. Uh, let's go to Xavier in Detroit. Xavier, what's on your mind? Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Go ahead. Hi. Um, well, thank you so much. Really enjoying the program today. Um, I just uh, it, I feel like friendships are so important and uh I could touch on so many things. I mean, I had a best friend who I lost to his marriage, um, which was, you know, really something I, I still am struggling with. Um, but mainly, I, I one of the more recent things you touched on, which is the, the you know the difference between close male and close female relationships. Um, it's something I've always felt. Um, I mean, I have two sisters. I'm in the middle. And, you know, they're much closer than I, I mean, and that's a family, you know, and they just, they just share a sisterly bond. Um, but in general, I just sound, I'm, I'm a 36 year old male. Um, you know, it's, it's gotten, it's, it feels like it's gotten harder. Uh, men just seemed it, like you said it, you know, I think society um, has, you know, really kind of stifled like male emotion. And which is such a big part of, you know, a, a deep friendship mm-hmm. is being able to um, share deep, you know, thoughts and feelings. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'll, 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 I'll hang up and. Yeah. Uh, Xavier, I really I really love the, the, the sentiments there about about that difficulty that men often have with with friendship and the ways that you can kind of uh, eliminate those or, or overcome them. Julie Beck, what's your what's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, I it's it I think it is a real thing. Um obviously the people who I was speaking to like were sort of self-selecting in that they had a friendship that you know was going to be featured in in the in the friendship files, but what I kind of found or observed at least was like the men that I spoke with were so eager to talk about how much they loved their friends. Like you got the sense that they didn't get many opportunities to just like gush about their friends and how wonderful they are and how important they are to them. And and the women would say similar things, really, like they also loved their friends deeply and would tell me about it. But I got the sense that they were more sort of practiced at talking about their friends in that way and that there weren't as many opportunities for the men to do so. And so I think it's, we need to just like create space in society for them to have the opportunity to do that because I think the desire is very much there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Xavier really appreciate the call and the, and the thoughts. Uh, Let's go to Toby in Ferndale. Toby, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Okay. So I'm an autistic individual, and this has made it difficult for me to make a lot of friendships. But what I have been able to do is use the strengths of the autistic neurotype to maintain the friendships that I do have. Autistic people tend to be a lot more, like, direct with our communication. So I've been able to use that to make sure that I am addressing any concerns, conflicts that come up in my relationships to maintain 
make sure that they stay healthy where other people might block or avoid that conflict. Hmm. So, so Toby, give me a sense of how your friends respond to that directness. I mean, as you point out, a lot of people don't relate to other people in quite that way. Um, are they shocked? Are they sometimes uh, put off by it? Or, or, or do they welcome that? Uh, sometimes they're put off by it. It's obviously something that a lot of people aren't used to. But the people who are actually willing to engage with me are the people who I'm able to build stronger relationships with. And the people who, for whatever reason, just can't take that conflict and can't like address the issues in the relationship, well, then we start to drift apart because they just can't work on that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Toby, I really, really love that you called and, and shared that experience with us. Uh, Julie, um, you, you do write about some of the challenging natures of friendships, the ones that uh, seem least likely to succeed and, and, and nonetheless did. Uh, talk about the dynamics there that allow people to stay friends. And, and you know, as Toby points out, there are, there are times when a friend does things in a way that, uh, that, that challenge our, our sense of what friendship is and whether that person really, really is our friend. That's something you've, you've really taken a look at. Yeah, I mean, I think like the caller was saying, you know, people have to be willing to fight for the friendship in that case. Um, you know, if there is a conflict or there is, you know, even just like a drifting apart um, and that requires kind of buy-in from both sides. You know, if one person is willing to fight for the friendship and one person isn't, then it's probably not going to work out. Um, I would say, honestly, the thing that I see the most often is more the, the drifting apart. And I mean, that story has two endings, right? And like one is sad and like people kind of go their separate ways. And then the other can sometimes unexpectedly um, be happy in that like sometimes people drift apart for many, many years and then they reconnect later for whatever reason, um, I spoke with many people for the Friendship Files who had kind of fallen fallen out of touch and then got back together. Um, one that comes to mind is a, a group of men who served in the army together during the Vietnam War, and then they kind of lost touch when they got back to the States. But then one of them decided, you know, I'm going to write a letter and um, try to see if, you know, any of the old guys want to get back together. And they started meeting up regularly. Their families are super close again. And so I think that that sort of speaks to friendships flexibility. Again, like if the willingness is there, um, sometimes you really can reconnect down the line. But um, also, as the caller was saying, you know, that's something that people have to be willing to work on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Julie, you also um, you also talk about this idea of arranged friendship, some people who went through that. I, I want to give you a chance to, to share with our listeners what that means and how it helped them foster connectivity. Yeah, so that was um, a group of friends who I interviewed. Um, the, it was one woman who sort of set it up, um, and she was from Iran, and she had seen uh, a lot of really happy and successful arranged marriages um, in her culture and among people she knew. And she was kind of having trouble making friends, and she thought, you know, I think that this is a model that I could try to adapt to friendship. And so what she did is she started just approaching women that she sort of knew casually, um, in one case, somebody she met at a conference, um, and just asked, like, would you like to be part of an arranged friendship group? Um, and then they kind of did a ritual. They all, like, went to her house, and, you know, they, they essentially got together and committed up front, like, we are going to be friends. Like, we're going to show up for each other. We're going to hang out regularly. Um, and, you know, they really didn't know each other very well at that point. So it was something where the commitment came first, and then the friendship grew from there. And they, you know, some of them said, you know, I wasn't sure about this. Um, but ultimately, they they felt like it was something that was became like a really important structure in their lives and like a place where they could go and and they trusted each other very deeply and they're very emotional together. So it, it was a really interesting experiment where like the commitment um, kind of led to the friendship. Mm, wow. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go to John. 
in Oak Park. John, welcome to the show. Good morning, Stephen. Interesting show. Um, I just wanted to hear Julie Beck's comments on what I see as the hazards of uh, mixing business and friendship. I destroyed <laughs> a couple ancient friendships that were more than six decades old uh, by um, mistakenly getting in, uh, mixing business with friendship. Oh, no. I wondered, wondered if she's explored that at all. Yeah. John, I uh, really appreciate the call and sorry that... Uh, that those friendships had to had to go away because of that. Julie, what's your what's your take on that? Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's really hard. I mean, I think like you know the people whose uh, friendships broke up like weren't necessarily coming to me to to be interviewed for the friendship files. Um, so a lot of you know the work friendships that I did talk to were kind of the more successful side of the coin. But certainly, I mean, I think like friend breakups do happen and they're over all kinds of things. And I think that money is a really fraught area. Work is a really fraught area and that definitely can happen. Um, I think what's, what's really hard too. And what I think about with that story is just like that we don't kind of understand in our culture that like a, losing a friendship is a really deep loss um, in the same way that, you know, if your partner died or if your parent died, like people would, understand what you were going through and, 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 you know, hopefully try to support you. But those like friendship breakups can be really, really hard as well. And I, I think there's sort of an attitude of like, oh, it's just a friendship. But in fact, like those are some of the most important people in our lives as well. So I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, I'm sorry about uh, what happened uh, in that friendship. Uh, Julie, you also write about superficial friends. Uh, I think most of us consider deep friendships, uh, you know, people we rely on pretty deeply. What what do superficial friendships, though, do for us? You don't necessarily just dismiss them as unimportant. Yeah, well, every every friendship kind of serves its own role in, in life, and not every single person in your social circle is going to be your deep best friend who you share all of your secrets with. Um, but I think there, there's a term in, in the research for this, which is weak ties. And um, they actually find that, you know, weak ties are very important to our sense of well-being too. And that can be as simple as like the barista at your local coffee shop who you have a little bit of banter with while you're getting your coffee or, you know, the person that you run into at work and you're not really friends, but you're friendly acquaintances and you, you know, chat with them a little bit. So, all of, all of these different people serve different roles in our lives. And um, even those ones that are more, you know, like you said, superficial or um, not as deep, like still kind of help to provide us a sense of connection and community. Um, and it, it's kind of natural, right, that we have these concentric circles of the people closest to us and, and sort of spreading out into acquaintances. But all of those people are are helpful to our well-being and, and sense of connectedness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's quickly go to Jack in Detroit. Jack, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Mm -hmm. um, so I was I called immediately after the part where you said uh, about drifting uh, apart from your friends. Um, I had a I had a friend about seven years ago that I actually transitioned with. Um, so I'm female to male, uh, transgender and um, I had a friend, uh, we became best friends, um, very quickly. Uh, it was like an intertangled work and, uh, friendship. We, we did all sorts of things, um, together. We, uh, I learned photography, uh, with him. We went, uh, backpacking and got into, you know, all sorts of things, helping the community. Um, but, um, it ended up, we just drifted apart slowly, um, around the pandemic, um, I was in a relationship that didn't work out and it was kind of a rocky situation. And, um, you know, we, we were like there for each other every day. We would talk to each other. I would help him. He would help me with like, you know, what we were going through. We would talk about life and it was very, um, it was a very deep connection. Mm. Um, and we like quickly became like brothers and, and, uh, we were supporting each other daily. And so when, um, when it eventually ended, it was, uh, two years that 
there's like a series of things um, that, I mean, I think probably felt like betrayals to both of us. And um, it was one day he, he was just like, we can't, we can't talk about this, this thing that you um, are in, like, you know, constantly, like, um, that, that's affecting your emotions and your, your livelihood. And, and to hear, like, your friend say, like, oh, there's certain things you can't talk about or I, I can't support you, to me, felt like a betrayal. And mm-hmm. I don't think I ever really got over it. And then um, I, you know, I think there was a lot of resentments between mm-hmm. both of us and it just ended. Um, and that was really hard. But friendship uh, means a lot to me. But after the pandemic, um, he was like my main friend. So after the pandemic, mm-hmm. I was like, I need friends. I, I have a couple from high school, but we don't see each other that often. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's Jack, I don't I don't I don't want to cut you off, but uh, we're going to run out of time. Uh, I, I, I'm really sorry to hear to hear that story. Uh, Julie Beck, we've only got about a, a minute or so left, but I want to have you talk just a little more about the end of friendships and the way that we kind of reconcile that uh, in our minds and our hearts and, and I guess resolve to move on. That's part of friendship too. Yeah, it can be. And, and I'm really sorry to hear that story, and especially when you know it was a friendship that helped you help support you during it while you're transitioning it's like a big thing but I think um you know like honestly it's like it's grief that's what it is and I think we don't talk about grief in that way like we have a sometimes a very narrow societal conception of what grief is and like you have to grieve these things and you have to mourn these things um and it's just really hard and like I don't think there's any way around around the fact that it's hard I mean this is not an advice show I don't think there's any advice that I could offer to make it less hard um but I think just recognizing like what it is and like letting it have the importance that it has and not feeling like it's less than or you don't deserve to grieve that somehow um I mean I think that's that's just something we all need to work on Okay, Julie Beck, uh, it was really, really great to have you here with us to talk about friendship. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you very much for having me. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, Stay tuned uh, to a special one-hour episode tonight at 8 p.m. on 101.9 WDET, where they're going to recap all of the testimony and evidence that we have heard during these January 6, 2021 hearings in Washington. Really uh, riveting stuff that has been coming out. This is 101.9 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.